0: Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat on the Sirius Angler Network, powered by X2 Power. And, guys, today we've got a really cool show lined up. We uh, Basically, the guy we've got on today had met at ICAST through Matt Pangrak. So thanks, Matt, for introducing me to Mr. Eric Luzak. But basically, we had a lot of conversations. I flew up and fished the... Champlain event as a co-angler. And Eric was nice enough to take me out on a couple of practice days. And we just had a lot of good conversations on uh, the podcast, on the show, and just his kind of background in the fishing and the business world. And so thought it'd be a great fit to get him on. And he had an interesting idea. I got to give all the credit to him on this. And to really follow up with the Ken Ma show that went really well and, and a lot of anglers being interested in the sponsorship side and the the business side of the fishing industry that will benefit them as an angler down the road. That's really what got this idea started. And so we're going to share actually. So for those of you listening on the podcast platforms, still you're going to get plenty of value out of this, but to really get the full picture, go ahead to the YouTube channel, the serious angler YouTube channel. And the reason being is we're going to have Eric's actual media kit that he has gone through and utilizes when approaching sponsors. So it's going to be a great show. He's going to go through all of it and his background. So without further ado, let's bring Eric on. How are you, dude? Good, man. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. It sounds like we were talking just pre, pre-show there. You're getting off doing a little little pre-practice action.
1: Yeah, I guess you can call it that, but uh yeah, the next stop on the tour series in the northern's is the uh, St. Lawrence River. I haven't been out there since last year, so I uh, spent the day messing around and seeing if it's still awesome and it turns out it's still pretty awesome.
0: <laughs> it's still like the I don't know, world-class best place in the world it seems.
1: <laughs> it is crazy and and I'm I'm spoiled I'm, my my girlfriend's parents is like an hour away from there from Kingston. I'm on the Canadian side. Okay. Uh, so I'm super close. I got to take advantage of that more often. I'm actually in their office right now. They uh, they run a magazine from their home office, so I snuck into their office. I'm really just you know, you know mooching everything I can off them right now. Places <laughs> like here and an office to use for this podcast. So,
0: dude, we need to have a podcast just on how to find a girlfriend that has parents right next to the Saint Lawrence River that lets yeah. you do all this stuff. That is awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm a little bummed. They're talking about moving by next year too, so this might be my last summer with this connection. So I got oh, to, yeah, Well, we'll see. Dang I'll it. try to sabotage Dang. the sale so they can't sell it. Uh,
0: there you go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, sweet. Well, dude, first I wanted to kind of just talk. I had some, some folks reach out and message me just on, Hey, how did, how did Champlain go? And that kind of a thing. And I really haven't brought it up on the podcast, but uh let's just, let's dive into Champlain, man. I know you, you had been there a couple of times and we had talked uh how your tournament went, you know, and that kind of a thing. But you know, give a little background on, on how that event went in your eyes for you.
1: Yeah, that, that's the actually the latest ever fish champlain uh, in the year. Usually they're often like still kind of on the spawn or around the spawn or even like mid July, they're a lot shallower. But by this time they were like, those fish were, the majority were between 20 and 35 feet of water. And it was a live scoping deal for sure. A uh, mm-hmm. basin deal, I should say at least. And, uh, I feel for guys like you in the back of the boat. Cause like for my, my co-anglers behind me, it was like, if I didn't drop right on that fish, I wasn't catching anything. So good luck to the guy in the back. But, um, and I, I'm sure, and I know some people did other things and there were some coanglers in the back that still caught some big bags, but odds sure. were against you in that, in that situation.
0: Dude. Yeah. And I mean, just from, like you said, that coangling perspective, I, I drew Spencer Sheffield day one, which was just incredible. He just won uh on the st lawrence river yeah. right um but he is so so good at live scope and it was cool to watch and, and you're also very good at live scope and i learned so much just watching how guys uh are are scoping out there and it's something that i like doing uh back home but to that level i mean it was you're right on the dot and so i didn't know what to do really as a co angler. it's like okay do you make just enough casts and hope to drag in front of one Um, do you throw the Carolina rig like you had discussed, just covering water, hopefully getting some of those bites that other guys are not. Um, do you just drop it right below the boat and just let him do whatever he wants up there and you're ice fishing in your hole. And, and so it's kind of like, that's exactly it is it's a tough deal. And you have to take advantage of those situations where maybe a guy is, uh, just going shallow for a second and you can get a bite or two on the coast side. And so definitely probably one of the more frustrating events I've ever fished as a co-angler where, you, you know, it's like, gosh, this is one that I really would have liked to have my boat at because it was just, it was really cool how it all worked out, but it was a tough event to fish behind and uh, props to the guys who did catch them. Cause there's plenty of co that did catch fish behind guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, and it's one of those things where like, I've had co out on Lake Ontario and, and St. Lawrence catch 20, to 23 pound bags behind me. And I also caught a 23, 20 to 23 pound bag. Um, but it's different. And the way it was on Champlain is those fish were not really schooled up. There was a couple schools, but the majority of the fish, at least I was finding were individual fish just cruising around and I'd have to cast right on them and catch them. And every now and then there would be a group of two or three and I'd catch the one. I try to tell my coin, be like, Hey man, right over there. But I mean, again, if he doesn't see the, like, by that point, the boats moved and, you know, so if you don't land right on them, it was tough. But, yeah, my day – so, yeah, we practiced together for a couple days there. And, and one of the days – the first day we went out, we actually spent some time large fishing. And I yeah, was telling man. you, like, I do not want to be large fishing in this tournament. This is like a plan D type of scenario. But uh, what I found 100% saved my tournament. I had a terrible day one. I had those deep smallies going. But the way the weather was with the wind and the overcast, I honestly still don't know exactly why I couldn't catch those smallies, but I couldn't. And, like, noon came by, and I had one little – like 16 inch smallie in the boat, that was it. And I cruised into what we actually found was we found a, a bluegill bed. If you remember, mm-hmm. so we, yeah. we only caught, caught one little largemouth on it, and then we kept cruising and, and we looked down. And we're like, oh, look at that! Like we were like on top of a pretty large shallow up north. Or they, the bluegill beds tend to be pretty shallow. Mm-hmm. And then as we're cruising away, you had a big blow up on your top water, yeah. and we saw some local guy who was anchored in a pontoon boat catch like a four pound large. He was giggling. So this is going to be a large deal like this. They'll be here because of that, that uh, bluegill bed. Uh-huh. So yeah, sure enough, the end of day one came and I was scrambling and I was like, I'll try that bluegill bed. And I pulled power pole down and I caught 16 and a half pounds of largies without even lifting my power poles, just fan cast it around the, the, the bluegill bed and uh, saved my day. And then day two, I went back over the smallies, and I caught at least I caught them. I caught seventeen and a half pounds of smallies, which was what I wanted to do day one. Yeah. So it goes. Sometimes you have all these plans, you know, and you you gotta make last minute decisions and adjustments.
0: Well, dude, I mean, uh, to me, I think that that is the difference between, uh, and this is a pretty broad speculation, but a weekend guy, or or even I would say someone like myself, who's kind of trying to break into this next level Toyota Series Tour level, that kind of a thing is you were able to still salvage that day. Now, did you have the tournament you wanted? No, but you had zero fish at noon on the first day of the event at Lake Champlain, and you're like, oh, crap. And you were still able to go with that plan A, B, C, D. Now you're on D. You're like, okay. Dude, I mean, you you sat there and and you saved your day in the matter of 10, 15 minutes. That's, That's what's impressive to me.
1: Yeah. That, and that's something I, yeah, uh, I feel like I've learned a lot. So I fished the MLF pro circuit for two years and that's, I learned that type of stuff there because there was tournaments where you would just grind it out and grind it out. What I was used to back home here in Canada fishing, every day was a slugfest. So you would know by noon if you're going to do well or not, because everyone's catching fish all day long. But I think I learned a lot how to, how to fish with no fish in the live for a long time and how to always have those plan B C's and D's to just, to not bomb. Uh, My good buddy, another Canadian, used to travel with me, Charles Sim, we did a, after our first year together on, on the pro circuit, we did a live Facebook thing called uh, uh, sucking gracefully. And uh, basically like, well, what we learned this year was how to not suck. Like we just learned how to always at least catch five something, you know? So, and that's what the tour level stuff is. It's a, it's a long game thing. You got to play small ball sometimes and you, and you don't want to throw away your whole season. And, you know, I know the Toyota series, it's not the elites and it's not the pro circuit, but there's still an amazing uh, entry fee free championship at the end of the year that I would love to be at. So yeah. I don't wanna screw that up. So hopefully we'll see what happens. I'm still in contention. Still I gotta catch them on St. Lawrence, but you know.
0: Yeah, no, I mean I think that's that's a big part of it. And right, and it's for all those folks that are playing the opens game, trying to get into the elite series, like it is a long game. And the ability to on an event where you don't have anything going and your practice was either useless or your practice was great. And now it's not happening. The ability to bring in a limit is huge. I mean, you time and time again, you look at the results of the guys like, um, a bill Lowen, right. Like has made his career on catching fish. Like, I mean, he's just always has a limit. He's someone that is just consistent and he's going to cash a check. And it's, that's, that's just the way it goes.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's different and it's different everywhere you go. So trying to just trying to make a living at it. I guess most guys are.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Eric, um, really, uh, I think we had a good connection. Just, I like your, your mindset in the fishing space and then in the business world and you'd come in from Canada, but you're in Western Canada for a lot of the year doing the mountain sport thing. Um, give folks just a little bit of background on Everything that you do, I guess, as a professional angler,
1: yeah. So, yeah, Canadian. I uh, grew up uh, just north of Toronto, um, and actually on small lakes. So, when everyone's, uh, you know, a lot of people see these Canadian anglers, they assume we're just fishing Lake Ontario or Lake Erie every day. Uh, that's not the case for many. I grew up on a small chain of lakes that uh, actually was is very similar to the Harris Channel Lakes of Florida. So, it was uh, small lakes that are full of largemouth and smallmouth, they have both, uh, but really good, like like pads and docks to flip and milfoil and then you can walk through to other lakes it's a whole chain and it's um it's kind of in like toronto's cottage country if you will so that's i grew up really fortunate with a a place there um and got into fishing at a young age just by watching it just by seeing people fishing the lake that i was on i didn't know how to fish my dad didn't fish we had a little runabout boat that was it and I just saw guys in these early morning blast-offs coming down in the front of our place and, and dunking the milfoil and catching bass. I thought it was really cool. So then I'd get my parents to take me to the weigh-ins and uh, watch the weigh-ins and try to – anyway, so from there, I just got into it. Uh, this is well before the internet where you were podcast where you could kind of learn all this stuff too. So it was like magazine subscriptions and uh, Saturday morning fishing shows back then. Yeah. I'm 36, by the way. I'm not that old, but um, old enough that, like, we you know. Ageing uh, yourself,
0: dude, but you're not that old. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, man, he's talking yeah. prehistoric. Yeah, man, no, this isn't like
1: 50s or anything like that, but it, it was long enough ago that it was different. And uh, anyway, so um, yeah, from there, I just like, you know, what I want to, uh, I want to be a professional fisherman. So I didn't really know how I wanted to do it. Um, tournaments seem great, but in Canada, like the biggest prize you'll have, like. Uh, which actually, my my team partner and I, we've won it a couple times. is our is our classic, and you win like a thirty thousand dollars boat package. That's like the biggest thing of, you'll get. Mm-hmm. So you're not really going to make a living fishing tournaments in Canada. Um, sure. So the option is to either jump down to the states and do this stuff down there, or guide. So at my age and my situation, I didn't really think that the U.S. Uh, tournament scene was an option for me, and and just kind of my own, you know. Um, naiveness. I just didn't even think I didn't try to be honest, but guiding was right there. I knew I could guide. So the first thing I did, um, I, was, I was actually I started this e- even before college. I, so I ended up going to college for marketing. So I always had uh, just an interest in business and marketing and all that kind of stuff. But even before I even enrolled in, in this in the uh, in, in college, I started my business called Bass Class. So I wanted a guide, but I wanted it to be a little different. So I was more going to focus on the teaching. And to be honest, it was because I was worried that if I had a day where it just sucked and no one caught fish, I could then say, "Hey, at least I taught you something."
0: Because <laughs> that's Dude, what you- I like that honesty. I appreciate that because most yeah. guys would never say that. That's fantastic. It, it
1: almost never happened. Like there was almost no days that's like. Like, there was some tough days as there is, but like, if I would just like sit with, especially if you want, I love one on one or small, like two group people, yeah. uh, two group outings, and if I just really worked, like, uh, and started going through techniques with them and really breaking them down, you'd end up catching something even on a tough day. So, sure. Um, yeah, so bassclass.ca, that was my business for a long time, and I ended up paying myself through college with that. It was so, it was summertime only, it was like a four month deal. Uh, I'd, I'd shut it down in the winter. And, um, yeah, I did, That's how I started making money in the fishing industry. I, I was, uh, I think I was 18
0: or 17 when I started that. Wow. That Ooh. is awesome, dude. That is awesome. And now, so, so really, I guess, how did you transition from there into tournament fishing in, uh, the States and, and working your way into the, the tour?
1: Yeah. So that was, that kind of happened organically. So the whole time I tournament fish and that, cause as a guide in Canada guide educated, whatever you want to call me, it still add, adds credibility to be a tournament angler. So the whole time I was doing tournaments, they're almost always team events in Canada. So I was doing team events, having some success, you know, here and there I would win one, you know, one day event here and there, we'd get some top tens or whatever, but it wasn't like, you know, incredible. Um, and then at the same time I ended up, um, becoming a sales rep. So, at, uh, for my sponsors. So at the same time as I was doing all of this, so guiding tournament fishing, uh, now I'm finished college. I needed to work. So the, the rep agency who, uh, who basically had, uh, represented all of my sponsors in Canada hired me to be their on the road sales rep. Mm. So now I'm like really involved in the fishing industry at a young age. I think I was 19 now at this point. Uh, I got a little car, a little company car, and I drive around um, everywhere from anyway, I, I had a huge area. yeah <laughs> uh, but uh, and that was great, and I made some great connections, which still worked out uh, like that's how I met Lunker Hunt, who's one of my title sponsors now. You know that's how I met uh, you know Daiwa and and all these companies that I still work with now. I met most of the either the people that run the companies or the heads of whatever uh, department through that. Sure. So that was just kind of another little part of the, um, I don't know, the equation that that uh, just kind of worked out. But <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, the 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 money as a rep kind of sucks. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it was it was good. It was you're you're in the fishing industry, you're talking fishing, but it turns out you're fishing less, and the money kind of sucks. <laughs> so it's like right, I okay, I gotta get yeah. it. So yeah. so um, the, but this whole time I'm just doing tournaments as. Um, you know, not for, well, for fun, but I'm just doing tournaments on the side. And sure. then what really happened, the big change, was that I entered the uh, – it was called the FLW Canada Cup at the time. This is before FLW turned to MLF. Um, sure. And the it, the winners of the FLW Canada Cup would go straight down to the uh, Costa Series Championship, it was called then, Yep. Um, and fish in the international division in the Costa – uh uh championship when yep. a hundred thousand dollar first place prize whatever it was back then sure um so i just kind of entered that tournament because it again it was close to me and it was like oh i'll hop in this tournament or whatever and hopped in won it just kind of had a that was a three-day event um had a really good three days all large mouth was awesome it was all uh punching mats they were all up underneath uh mats and like two feet of water it was great that's awesome Getting like 18 to 20 pounds a day of large under mats. And then from there, I went down to the Toyota Series Championship. Uh, I ended up winning the international division in that event on Gunnersville, And then that was the deal. The winner of that division got to go and fish the Forestwood Cup the following year, as well wow. as FLW Tour. So from oh, wow. two events, two wins, two good events. I was on a bit of a hot streak, I guess. I, I went from just like, yeah, I do 10 tournaments a year, you know, I'll keep my sponsors happy, but I was also a sales rep, or whatever, to uh, boom, now I'm fishing the Forestwood Cup. And hey, next year I'm going to do the, the FOW tour as well.
0: Wow. So, yeah. you Well, I mean, okay, to that point, and this is, I think, a, a good point in the sponsorship realm of things. And this kind of goes back to some of the stuff Ken had also preached. It's like, okay. Whatever level of angler you are, in my opinion, if you are attempting to make this a career or have some capacity of a career in your life, you had already been preparing from a sponsorship standpoint with the sales rep job and sponsors and all that. And now, boom, you, you've had two fantastic events and you're like in a new career path. You're like, oh, I might be fishing the tour. So, yeah. but but that gives you at least that backing and that knowledge to understand how stuff works. And then also that springboard to turn around and say, Hey, I made the big leagues now, you know, can we step up in this realm? Can we step up? You know, we're going to have more media coverage. We're going to have a lot of new stuff here. I don't know. I think that's huge, man.
1: So, and this would be a great segue into my media kit, because up until this point, I never had a media kit. I had a little, you know, the one page word document, like resume of my, resume. yeah, I had that. That's all I ever had and now all of a sudden it's like and like you said yeah i kind of was preparing for this the whole time even if it was inadvertently like i had the connections i had the marketing skills i had a lot of this stuff already there i had evidently some fishing skills you know even if it was just a couple quick good events or not all of a sudden you have you're all of a sudden you're you have this opportunity so but now i had something to sell so up Mm. to that point in Canada, you're not going to get money from. I mean, I shouldn't say that. You can get money from sponsors. It's a lot tougher. It's a not smaller true. market. And what happens is, if you apply for pro staff, they'll put you in like the Canadian division pro staff. Well, then that's even a smaller budget. So you want to try to be in like the you know the national level or the international level budget if you can. Sure. But as soon as they see you're in Canada, like oh you know there's a Canadian rep, go talk to him. You might get a school <laughs> of line out of them. Right? That's kind of how it goes. But yeah, all of a sudden, within like uh, just like <laughs> throwing a uh, Chatter bait around on Gunnersville. All of a sudden, the next day, I'm I'm qualified for for all this. So I have some I have a story to tell, and I have something that I can put in a package, and it, it looks really good. And yes, there's real facts and figures of the um the the eyeballs that are going to be on me at the Forestwood Cup and the following year at the uh, to- at the FLW. Uh, tour, which that uh, the first year I fished the tour was the first year they changed it to the pro circuit. It was the year the year I did it. So I fished the last Forestwood Cup, which was amazing. It was an unbelievable experience. I'll never forget it. I actually, I finished uh, 16th or 17th. I did pretty good. Wow. I was one fish off of a limit on day two. It burned me and I lost uh, my keeper fish twice um, that day, but it was cool to be kind of in contention and like, you know, on something. I had something going. That was amazing. Against like, fishing against like thrift and all these guys. And, and then, where was the
0: where was the Forestwood Cup that year?
1: That was in Hot Springs, Arkansas, on Lake Hamilton. Wow! And yeah. it was like a hundred degree water. It was crazy. Like I've never caught a fish before. That when I pulled him out of the water, he was hot to the touch. The fish was like hot. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> Canada, like this is crazy. I are these fish alive. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so yeah, then that segues to how. Uh, that, so I was like yeah, I need a media kit. So. Funny enough, the office I'm sitting in right now is the office for Motorcycle Mojo Magazine, which is a nationwide
0: motorcycles uh, in the background.
1: Motorcycle background. So this is what uh, my girlfriend's family does. They 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 run this magazine. Uh, they have some uh, some art uh, skills, some graphic design skills. So I said uh, to her, to her mom, I said, "Gwen, I need a, I need something put together. I uh, don't really know what I need." And anyway, so they basically made me the first version of what. Then I ended up taking myself and just kind of customizing it. So sure. uh, it's uh, when an media kit is like I know like you have a media kit for your podcast. Sure. Uh, magazines have media kits to sell advertisements, you know, in their magazine. And it, they're all, I mean, they're all a little different, but basically at the end of the day, you're trying to you know, tell the person who you are, what you do, uh, and then where the, the marketing opportunities are, right?
0: Yeah, 100%. 100%. And then usually
1: the last section is how much does it cost to be involved? Yep. And that's yes. the only thing we're not going to show here. I know that's going to probably uh, like, oh, you're showing everything. You're not <laughs> showing that. Uh, I'll talk about it, but that's different on every single media kit that I do. So I have this, the one we're going to show is my generic one. Which mm-hmm. is kind of like I'd use this as like a foot in the door media kit. You know, okay. you're not going to say like, um, you know, hey, uh, Hobie Hobie Eyewear, like this is me. I want thirty thousand dollars. You know, you don't. We I don't even like starting with uh, something like that, right? So sure. I just start with, here's my general media kit. You learn about me, and let's talk. Let's just let's just get a conversation.
0: Going. Start a conversation. That's exactly yeah. right. And, and that's that's been our approach always too. Is let's just let's reach out to the person in the marketing department. Yeah. uh ideally have a connection before that or have a reference from somebody but to me that that process is just a starter conversation see also you need to decide too, as an angler as whatever you're providing if this is going to be a fit for you too if you if, if it's a company you've always been after and you love their stuff okay like that, that's great you, you realize you're going to rep them great but if it's like hey i want to hear what this company's about necessarily before i go and, and uh Put my kind of reputation on the line. You, you, again, you want to protect that too, in my eyes. So you want to you want to align yourself with folks that uh, you are seeing the value in uh, each other, and also just uh, want to build that future, long term relationship with. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: All so, right, should we get into it here?
1: Yeah, do you want to pop? Do you pop this up, or do I pop that
0: up? Sure, I'll I'll pop it up, and then I'll have you go through it. So, guys, uh, again, for the for the folks that are tuning in a little bit later on the podcast, the YouTube channel is going to be the best option here because it's going to show everything in his actual media kit. For your information,
1: but I'll do my best and try to describe it to someone who's listening while I drive. So, I'm a podcast listener and I listen to it while I drive. Like, getting on the tour, it was like got me through these drives. Cool. Listen to, uh, i listen to any random fishing podcast I could find. I'm with, you, I would man. never have time to go home and pull it up on YouTube. So, I, I feel for you guys.
0: Yep, I know. Every time someone says that, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I get all my content through yeah.
1: podcasting, but
0: anyways, all right. So, we've got the media kit pulled up.
1: Yeah, so this is the cover page. So uh, cover page, it's got to kind of get people's attention. Um, so I would usually, and so this is this is my 2022 one, I believe. Uh, every year, basically, I would just take the same um, uh, media kit and just like change the pictures out, change the dates, you know, whatever. But like try to have one big new picture, you know, and then your face picture. So that was from uh, the picture here. So it says Eric Luzak, professional angler, and there's a picture of me with uh, that's actually a six four smallie that I caught on like, Ontario uh during the uh bass open event. Um wow yeah so that was uh that was the highlight of my year last year. I do the whole tour uh, the whole the pro, pro circuit season but my highlight was on a bass open event. Go figure. But,
0: um, <laughs> take your I like it though. Yeah.
1: So uh yeah the very so it's super simple and then um there I have the tag warehouse pro circuit logo uh because I at the time was a pro circuit angler so you know, again, just in one page, almost like a business card, like this is my name. I'm a pro circuit angler. And then at the bottom, there's three little just highlights. So it's the fact that uh, MLF pro circuit angler, uh, 2019 FLW uh, Forcewood Cup qualifier, and it just, I just do an international division champion. That's how I, so it's a real quick pulls notes on how, who I am and, you know, what's this all about? Type of
0: thing. Sure. Sure. Exactly, man. I like it.
1: And then, uh, and then I, I got into more of like uh, the background of me and my journey. So these next two pages, mm-hmm. I, should have, I guess it's kind of condensed into one page. Um, so I called it the journey. And uh, basically, uh, again, you need to have an angle of some sort. So I found that my angle was the way that I, the you know, we talked about this, how I started with guiding. And I started just by watching fishing off my dock and that, you know, 20 years later and I got in, you know, it just kind of turned into this almost uh, organically in a way is kind of a cool story. And, and I know a lot of guys, you know, they're born into this and this is what they're doing and that's great. Um, and, and I've loved fishing since I was 10 or 12, but just didn't really think I had the chance to do this. So it became a bit of a, some steps. So this just a little wordy. I'm not going to read it word for word. I don't expect yeah. anyone else to either, but basically it talks about my story from the beginning. Um, what we kind of already talked about uh, at the start of this podcast. Um, yeah. But it goes on just to say, you know, that, yeah, um, that I, what I won, blah, 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 blah. And how I started at the club level. That's, that's right. So I didn't mention that. So what, how I actually got into tournament fishing was uh, we did have a Bassmaster club up in uh, my area. They didn't have a junior level club. So when I was 13, they let me join like the adult club. Uh-huh. Uh, I would, and that's, that was my first chance to fish with other guys you know, other than my dad. Cause at that point by, by 13, I was already teaching my dad how to, how to like throw a bait caster and stuff. He didn't really know any of that. So, so I needed someone else. So I joined a, a basketball.
0: No, well, I, here's the thing. One, one quick segue, and this is great. What I first, first, what I uh, love about this is the storytelling aspect. I think that um, folks don't necessarily, they just assume that every sponsor uh, that you're requesting, whether it be in the fishing industry. Some folks even are like, oh, well, the non endemics, they like, they know what pro fishing is. And some people literally don't, and they don't see, they don't necessarily see that. Um, so I think that having a, an explanation of their journey and the way that you got into this shows you're backing into things. I mean, it was a surprise to me. I was having a conversation with um, a, a BPT angler at ICAST, and he was talking about a pretty large brand in this industry, and they did not understand the difference between the BPT and the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit. And it's just like, huh, like maybe not everyone is as tuned in as we are and and absolute fish heads in this. They're interested in selling baits and it's just, you know, it's a a part of their wheel, but it kind of blew me away. So I think it's important to have some of that storyline in that background. The other segue I was going to have was basically, it's really cool to me that major league fishing prior FLW, but they still have that international uh, pull for the Toyota series championship. I think that's incredible. That's super cool. It gave you an opportunity to to make it there.
1: Mine was the last time that you went to the force cup, unfortunately, but now you still win. I think it's give you a $10,000 bonus if you win your division now.
0: Yeah. Within the Toyota series championship. And then, and, and then, uh, now do they have any way with the international to still qualify for the tour or is that gone?
1: No, as far as I know, no. Uh, I was the last one to do it that way, I believe,
0: which is wow. Great. Yeah. yeah, that is wild. And then the other aspect of this, again, just for folks getting in, like like many of us, same deal. The reason I got into tournament fishing was joining a bass club. Eventually, luckily, I had the the opportunity in the junior kind of club stuff. But then, going out and fishing with guys in that federation type setting was so crucial because you get to fish behind guys who, like you said, you'd only fish with your dad before. And it's like, well, if your dad doesn't know how to flip a jig and then you draw somebody in a tournament or you are able to go out with a guy like that. I mean, that just gets your gears turning and gets you more interested and, and wanting to do more things.
1: Yeah. And now with so many BFLs and Toyota series events around it, it, you know, hopping in as a, as a co and those is super valuable, almost as much so as a club. I didn't have that opportunity. So for me it was, yeah, cl- club stuff. So super local, cheap too, so cheap to do that. Um, But um, yeah, that's how it kind of all started for me. So yeah, try to tell that story, try to get it across. And you made a good point there. Um, I've had a bunch of people not know the difference between the Bass Pro Tour and and the the pro like it's kind of been my 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 life the last three years explaining it to be honest so sure and i don't even really break it down too too much in this because this is meant to be pretty general but Mm -hmm. it does talk about tournament fishing itself and a couple pictures there a couple so there's a picture of me up on stage at the forestwood cup and then a picture last year down in okeechobee so just again a couple highlight pictures um and then so now we've done kind of introducing yourself and you know what you're what you're all about uh Mm -hmm. then what i include on this one and now this is I do the year in review because this is also what I send to my current sponsors. So every oh, year cool. I resend a media kit to FXR, Lunker Hunt, Blue Tungsten, Dialaw. you know, all my sponsors. So mm-hmm. I do send them a, a different full report of my year, but this is just a really nice one page year in review. Uh, sure. you know, get some cool pictures throughout the year. The best thing about fishing, like even the opens, TOTA series is those media guys are so awesome. They're going around taking snapping pictures uh, everywhere. Um, yeah. worth it just as much for you to be there to get that one picture of you fishing on the same River server with a giant tanker, uh, behind you than it was for, you know, cashing a check. Cause that picture can be worth so much.
0: No. Th- and Eric, that's a huge point. I don't mean to keep cutting you off. This has been great, but another thought that I've had around that, I mean, and, uh, back to, back to Ken Ma talking about the West coast stuff, a struggle on the West coast to, to show a national and professional level scene is the media coverage in my opinion for mm-hmm. some of these events. I mean, even, uh, you know, large scale events. And what's cool is the Toyota series out there has done a fantastic job. Now it doesn't draw the boats as much, uh, out West as in other places by, by any means. And there's other organizations that can draw more boats out West, but the trick is the guys who are professionals that see value in their media is huge. And I think an, uh, a caveat to that with me fishing the Toyota series last year in an unwrapped boat as a boater, I noticed you get a lot more pictures in a wrap boat. And I oh, think, yeah. that, you know what I mean? I think in a Jersey on and a wrap boat folks, especially the wrap boat aspect, they are trying to help anglers out, right? They're like, Hey, this guy's serious. It's going to help him in the long run. And that's my thoughts. And I think it also looks cool, but that's, that's just a complete side. Tangent.
1: Well, I, no, sure. no, I 100% agree with that. The The camera's drawn to people with wrap boats. Um, I've seen it, I've been fishing in the crowd and I'm the only one they got a picture of and I wasn't even catching fish. I was sucking actually, and but right wow. there's a picture picture of me like casting or something because I got this rat boat and it looked Another <laughs> thing that's honestly and it just comes back down to like the marketing side of 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 me is is networking. Get to know these guys. So mm-hmm. that was Kyle Jesse that took that picture with that tanker behind me. I've been buddies with him since the Forestwood Cup. He used to work at a tackle shop um, in in, um, Hot Springs, and I just walked in and just we started chatting, and we're still friends to this day. So when you have a personal connection with these guys, they're going to come up to you way more often, take more, and 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 they they text you the pictures within like before you even get back to your truck after weigh-in. They're so fast with it; it's incredible. And I'm talking all of them, like um, you know, on the MLS side, the bass side, everyone. Uh, Jody's Jody white's amazing on MLF and all the guys that work with him. Uh, but yeah, get to know them. Just be are They're all awesome dudes. They're there to take pictures of you.
0: So so. that is huge advice. And I, and I agree. I mean, I think just even to the college fishing days of like, you get to know one media guy and it's like, they're, they're, they're pumped. They want to take pictures of you. They, you know, they want to, they're checking up on how you're doing. And, um, I think I've done a poor job of that here recently, but I think that's huge. I think that, that those guys, um, are are there to do that and if you can um have more contact with them and and chat with them yeah. who's to say they're going to send you a picture before it even gets out that's huge
1: and he didn't even get a picture of me catching fish but it ended up being some of the. this is uh then the next slide here there's there is a good fish catching segment coming up here so every now and then they get you when you actually land a five pounder which is nice that's <laughs> also in the st lawrence but at the pro circuit event um yeah. So then yeah, so my year interview is done and then I'll just go into this is, this is your just your your fishing resume. This is the you kind to have to have it on here. And I take so many out and whatever, but what I do like about this is it kind of shows how long you've been doing something and mm-hmm. that you've been at least in some way relevant. I don't know if anyone really looks or cares about that. And I also throw uh my my next year schedule on there. And I think that's okay. where I see what I'm already planning for. Uh and pictures every single thing because it's kind of meant like a made like a magazine, right? Again, this is made by Uh, my my, uh, in-laws that have a magazine. So it's a lot of pictures. Uh, It actually uh, looks really great when you have this full screen on a computer. Um, And then does this one have my, Oh, I might not have the on the road one on this one. Um, so then I go into, uh, yeah, where, where I've been in the, I call it in the press, this next page. So, okay. uh, and it's hard to have, keep track of everything you do. You know, like, I mean, there's a lot of little magazine blurbs and whatever, and a lot of social media posts and shares and this and that. But there's some core stuff that like, you know, hopefully that you you, you can get some, um, some good exposure with. So I tend to try to screenshot those and just boom, have it in there. And again, it's just showing your sponsors that you're, irrelevant it's you know this one in the bottom right here it's a a four-page spread that a outdoor canada magazine did on me years ago that would have been geez 10 years ago now but it's still really cool they did a full four-page spread uh you know that was more about my guiding back then and a little bit about tournament fishing you know and then up till even last year mlf still does some articles about me that was me carolina rigging um on the saint lawrence which um i almost forget kind of talking about that because it's, it's still catching them. But anyway, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's, and that was, did they do a video on that? It looks like there's that a was video. Thing. Yeah,
1: that was, uh, that's yeah, didn't catch a good one. I lost a good one in that video, but he didn't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We went out for like 45 minutes. Um, and then usually in here, oh, I don't have this one. Maybe. We'll pull, okay. So the other thing I do, I, I'll just talk about it. So, sure. um, it didn't make it in my g- generic one, but then I do a travel map. So I have a map of North America, and I, I highlight every single state and province that I will be in, and then and I calculate all of the um, basically the distance tra- distance travel that I'm going to be doing that year from each tournament. That's really yeah. easy to do. You see Google Map, you know, so far, you know, yeah. super easy. And then there's real facts you can get from like the American Trucking Association that'll say how many impressions that many kilometers will actually get you on the interstate, you know, highways. So it's. Projected, it's not exact, but here you. are I'm driving around in a wrap boat. A big part of this wrap boat, wrap truck is to show off the brand, and that's more what the non-endemics like. Uh, you know, Lunker Hunt, they don't really care that my that Lunker Hunt's going down the I-95. It's great, but what they what they want is the you know the um, the more intimate kind of work with them. So when I'm actually doing like posts just for them or helping them out, shows that kind of stuff. FXR, one of my other uh, uh, premier sponsors they come from the the moto world and the snow cross world um, actually a snowmobile company first. So they really get that logo, uh, on trucks deal and that eyeballs thing. So they really cared about that, the exact size of my logo on my boat wrap and, and how many kilometers was it going to get? And that all went into their equation on, on, uh, when we worked out a deal. So, mm. so that was really important. I didn't have it in here. I didn't know it wasn't in this one, but there's a whole other page just on my
0: travel. Sure. And I, uh, that's some juice, man. I've always wondered, cause I, I've looked at just um, a couple of different anglers kind of media kits before. And I've always seen those impression numbers and I've always yeah. wondered, but that's coming from the American trucking association.
1: Yes. That's, and that's I saw them right in that. Um, and again, I mean, they're probably talking about a giant transport truck. That's huge. You know, they obviously are, but you can still get the idea like that. And there is a lot of eyeballs on that. It's true.
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, every time you see a flashy boat and truck go by, like everyone's looking, I mean, I've had people stop and, and be like, Oh, what's this? Like, even if it's just a, unwrapped Phoenix boats with power poles are like, Hey, what are these things on the back? What do you oh, do? Yeah. You know, they ask, you know, all the time.
1: I was going to get a boat wrap that said, these are power poles. They're shallow water anchors. i was going to have that right on my wraps. so I, I answer that so many times. Crazy. So, especially in Canada, they're pretty new in Canada. So okay. um, anyway, then the social media page, everyone has to have it. Um, my social media is nothing fantastic, but it is what it is. So I tallied up all my followers from all the things he's trying to make it sound good. You know, if, if on Facebook you got 5,000 friends but on Instagram, you only have a thousand well, you have 6,000 followers, right? You kind of add that together, Yeah, I assume unless they're doubles, which they might be, but that doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I like it. yeah. And then it's amazing what you can actually do if you really tally up your reach and your impressions and some of your engagement rates from, uh, from your posts. Uh, and Instagram is great for that. I just do it myself old school. I go through each one and I just kind of tally it all up. I do it once a year. You can, uh, go through programs. I think we talked about it when we were fishing there on Champlain that you can outsource to these companies that will do that for you. Mm -hmm. Um, don't know what they charge. Probably not worth it. I'm pretty cheap. So I'm with you, man. Yeah. So yeah, I tally that up and, uh, you know and it's something that, that if and actually yeah and we talked about that they, these some of these companies can absolutely fact check this if you say you have all the got all this reach so they can so see don't want to bs them right so you got to <laughs> be honest like this is yeah. this is it you know um and 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 if if they're interested in you they're interested in you like their your followers are going to be neat, uh, you know unique to to you anyway and and that's still valuable to any sort of company you know especially depending on what kind of level you're talking about sponsorship-wise. but um, So, yeah, got to be in there. A couple of screenshots of some of the well, – we did virtual seminars because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this day, there's a picture that says live coverage. This was a really crazy day. I don't even know if we talked about it when we were fishing, uh, Deacon, you and I. Um, yeah. But um, I was it was in the pro circuit event last year in St. Lawrence, and John Canada's boat broke down. Okay. He had like 19 pounds. We were actually both tied for ninth going into the third day, oddly enough. And I happened to be fishing near him. And he yelled over to me. He was like, hey, Luzak, don't go far. I might need you. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And we were far. We were like a 45-minute run, if not more, back to the ramp. Oh, man. Um, so anyway, long story short, we decided right at that moment to just um, – he had the camera boat uh, – someone from the camera boat driver just hop in his boat and drive it to sh- – troll it to shore, and he was going to hop in my boat. We called the tournament director. Uh, hey, can we both fish together? Yep. Yeah. So he had his fish in one live ball, my fish in another live ball, and we both fished in the front deck of the boat uh, into, uh, separately but together, if that makes sense. Wow. I think so I live- heard this. Part. So this was all live on MLF Now. because Yeah had such a good morning they put a live a camera in his boat i was sucking and i continued to suck as that day went on but oh, no. it was wild so I, I went from fishing by myself i had a pretty you know chill marshall we were chatting so all of a sudden john canada in my boat and this camera guy who was like he really reminded me of like the guy from river monsters if you ever watch river monster show, uh-huh, uh-huh. He was like, this like kind of grizzled vet like adventure guy been everywhere and just, like, telling us what to do and where to stand. And this, I'm like, dude, I'm trying to fish. Like, if you've ever been live, some and nothing against them, they have to do this to get the shot of a lot going on. And But they'll yeah. just tell you what's up. They'll just be like, hey, you need to see. No seat. way. Yeah, yeah. Um, in certain situations, especially, like, with, like, um, boating around. Like, he sat on, like, the, the gunnel of the boat while, like, John and I boated around in this – the driver seats, if you will, and he wanted us to chat because he thought it was great that we were just like talking about spots where we're boating. So this camera guy, he's like leaning back and he sticks his foot out to me and he starts like kicking me in the in the leg. And I'm like, "What do you want?" He's like, "Hold on to my foot, hold on to my foot." So I'm holding on to his foot no. you know, while I'm boating like 50 miles an hour down the St. Lawrence. He's leaning back so he can get the whole shot of the two of us talking. It's it's crazy. Oh anyway.
0: my gosh, dude! He's trying to make that media like. That that he's he's back on the Amazon like trying to get the Yeah, story. and he was
1: that's telling us he did stuff down there and like all these Africa trips. So anyway, that was a crazy uh thing from last year. Definitely a highlight. And I ended up um yeah, not catching many fish, but I still came out with a really good story and a good uh a good um yeah, some good I guess exposure from that. A lot of people messaged me like, Hey, that was so awesome what you did.
0: No, that's I I think that's a huge part too, man. Um, and I, I do think it's really cool. I was watching the the way in there um, at the St. Lawrence in the title event this year and saw the, like the sportsmanship award with Dakota Ebert. Like and, and uh, just those type of things, I think, are, go a long way and they go a long way to sponsors, mm-hmm. too. I think right. that that folks that, that follow along and see that kind of thing um, shows your character and it shows yeah. um, a story. So I like it.
1: Yeah. And and I, in a way I kind of threw my tournament away by picking up John and it's not like I meant to, it's just like one, it's just, you know, things just change all of a sudden, but I wasn't gonna leave the guy high and dry. And in fact, he had ended up being really cool. He ended up, he needed a top five to make the uh, championship that year. He ended up finishing fifth and the championship he did well too. Like it ended up as like like made his year like amazing otherwise he would not wait in like it was we were so far other boats around like there was no other option so uh, you know anyone would do it i would do it for anyone anytime and in this situation i might have not caught fish anyway it's just once all this happens now you're kind of out of your rhythm (laughs) i guess Sure. sure yeah so uh, yeah, and then this is the last page on this one. But again, this is my general media kit, which I'm just using as an introduction to companies rather than the the ask. But then there would normally be then a, a page of of different asks, whatever it is. So like three tiers. So I'll talk about it in as much detail as I can. And I yes. still have this uh, you know thank you page on there, and it's just you know whatever, and it has your your name, your um your 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 social media tags. I don't know if you've noticed, every What's single page has my email address and phone number on it. Every single do page.
0: Not. Okay, yeah. that's huge. I get that. I like. Yeah,
1: that. you never, you never know what page they're gonna lose or what's gonna happen or whether you know how far they want to look in to get your info. They want you want them to have your info, sure. wherever they are. Uh
0: huh. Uh huh.
1: And then, um, yeah. So if if it was the point where now we're gonna negotiate on what kind of what kind of deal we're gonna do, um, then there'll be a whole page on you know I would call it tier one title sponsor, and uh, and that would just be a whole page. It would look just like this, and it'd break down all the options that they would get as a title sponsor so and you know i'll use fxr for an example when i when i worked with uh negotiated with fxr it was actually they really did care about the the size of the logo the placement of the logo uh that kind of stuff um or other companies not so much so um lunker hunt my other co-title sponsor they actually cared more about we, we worked out a really special deal where i actually put in hours of work as a um uh, as an expert with them. So as a, as a, as a fishing expert, but lure designer, almost like a consultant, if you will.
0: Okay. I like it.
1: Some of what they pay me as a sponsorship thing. Actually, I do actually have to put in work and it's not, I mean, it's not like it's in the warehouse making baits. It's, it's some research and design. It's talking with the design team. It's some trade show work. That's really common. Um, pretty much everything I do would have a thing in there for trade shows, you know, ICAS, you know, whatever. um, and then yep. all the way down to whatever whatever you think you can find you're a little bit something different because everyone's going to say the same thing. Oh, I'll put my logo on my truck. I'll put my logo on a jersey. So you got to find something unique. And that's why I make a different media kit for every single company I'm talking to. Every single one's a complete different media kit.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that that goes back to huge, huge point here is and that starts with some of those conversations and those initial media kit reach outs and and hopefully even better if it's an in-person conversation, but really try and look for what every sponsor wants. I mean, like you're you're talking about here, FXR cared a lot about that logo situation. They they want that stuff. And you're like, look or hunt, they don't really care that I'm driving 30,000 miles a year. They're 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 interested in the other aspects. So it's finding that exact thing. And then like you said, building out a media kit. And trying to exploit that situation and saying, hey, I can bring this to the table, you know, and and I think, too, some of that stuff, it, at least on our end with Sirius Angler and, and through conversations, it's like, especially I think as you develop relationships with sponsors over time is it turns into um, almost a uh, brainstorming of ideas. To hey, what about doing this? Could this help you in this way? And then it kind of evolves, and it just turns into something that uh, you both get excited about because you're thinking of new ideas and ways to to better the brand.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and get creative. Um, you know, whatever your if, if maybe you're really good uh video uh you know producer e- film or editor uh mm-hmm. offer to make videos content is so important with these companies so i would often have another little section there again in the tiers so if I, let's say i have i have i would often you know start with three tiers so if you're my title sponsor you can be my I call a premier sponsor or just a supporting sponsor the mm-hmm. money would obviously change from each one but some of the things would stay the same what i have done before would be like i'll you know I'll, uh, I'll I'll produce six custom videos of your your product just for you to use, um, and that would be in the premium level tier. And then at the supporting level tier, the the lower tier, you only get two of those videos. So it's less work for me. You get less sure. in return as well. Yeah. Right. So if, and that's again just something different because like they, they the companies like they really do they really do care about content. And uh, if you're good at video, like I, if, if there's anything that I put some time in right now, it would be video editing and like website design stuff because that seems to be where uh, you know everyone wants help with that. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, and then and then like like you said before, talk to the person first because if you can get an idea of what they're interested, in, that's why I then custom and when I say I make a whole new media kit for each company it's only these last few slides i changed a couple well.
0: specifics
1: yeah and that's always based on some sort of conversation i've had with them because uh, they might say yeah you know what we don't give it a, a, a rats you know what about the logo we just want videos 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 well then i'm going to formulate that package to I'll, I'll give you lots of videos then <laughs>
0: yeah. exactly exactly yeah. Oh, man. Well, I, I like it. And, and uh, I really appreciate you breaking that down. And um, I think that that's going to add some value to a lot of guys stuff. And, and um, I love how you did it. It's very professional. And I like all those little things. I learned a ton just in, in my short little time here. So I, it's like something that I'm going to, I'm going to click back through and, and write down some ideas.
1: Yeah. And if anyone's wondering, so this was uh, InDesign, Adobe InDesign that I actually create this with. Not, may not have that, but you can have some sort of like, I think publisher is a common one, like Microsoft publisher. InDesign is actually what like professional like, uh, you know, uh, graphic designers would use for actually making a magazine. I had no idea how to use it. So my girlfriend's mom made the first one, like I mentioned, she sent me I happen to have InDesign on my computer, never used it. She sent me the file. I then just played around with it and started just changing the pictures and this and that. And I kind of just taught myself how to do it. And it does have, like you mentioned, that professional look. I think that does go a long way. I've had a few comments just right off the bat like, wow, like this is like legit. And I go, "Well, yeah, you know, it's legit. Um, awesome. Yeah. And then um, the other thing, too, is in, in, and and I, I, this doesn't have to be just, hey, give me money. I want to make that clear. There are a lot of deals out there that aren't money. I mean, there's a lot of boat motor deals they're not money maybe you do get a and deal which is just a whole bunch of product like it, it's not all about getting money especially to start you can absolutely still make one of these and have a good professional media kit and just and still negotiate you know still just kind of uh get a an allowance of product for a year in there that can absolutely be included and, and there are times that i'll have that as the last last option if there's no money on the table i'll take some product <laughs> but, sure. you know so sure. that yeah, keep an open mind about that it's hard to get money uh, but you did a great job with Ken Ma, the last one about talking about how to keep your sponsors happy and all that kind of stuff. Well, I think this might do a nice, uh, you know, a nice little fill in on how to help get some of those sponsors, or at least the way I did it.
0: Yeah, and start the conversation. And, yeah. and I think another thing, too, uh, with all of this to be said, and this is the truth with anything in this world, right, it's like, keep your head up because you're going to get some no's. You're going to get some folks who aren't interested at all. And I think that uh, it's, it's okay to to practice this because it's going to be a learning curve.
1: So I've always said, Cause I really just jumped into this about three years ago of just, I would spend months trying to like work on my sponsorship packages to get ready for the upcoming season. But so, you know, all of a sudden I'm full on to this and it was almost, it reminded me of being single and going to the bar and getting shut down time after time again. And you're almost like, Oh my God, like this is the worst. This is the worst thing ever. And then all of a sudden someone says yes. And you're like, Whew, life's good. Like it really is. And, and it's not even that you get shut down. There's a lot of no response and th- and that's fine. Everyone's busy. They're 100%. getting hammered with this stuff. So yeah. you get a no response. That's good. I think. And then if you get a maybe or, Hey, we'll talk next year. That's all positive. But yes, that's a good point. Adam, keep your head up. Cause there, it's a lot of, it's, there's a lot going on and you keep at it and, and, and shoot for realistic goals. Like don't ask for $30,000. You know, if it's your first year fishing the Toyota series, mm-hmm. um, some of those deals might be out there, but, be realistic. Sure. And, um, and I was, I try to be very realistic. I'm, I'm this new guy on the scene from Canada fishing the pro circuit for the first time. Yeah, my asks, asks were pretty re- realistic. I wasn't looking for that fifty thousand dollars. But my theory was, if I got enough five thousand or or seventy five hundred dollar deals, it would still cover my season. And that's kind of mm-hmm. how I that's how I made it through. So I I have yet to get that one big you know deal. No title, yeah, um, yeah. you break it down into several, and that's why I call them co-title sponsors. Well, mm-hmm. if you don't, hope, if you, you neither of you want to be my title sponsor, we'll put you together. And now I have two title sponsors. You know, so there's lots of options there. Be flexible, be open-minded, and, uh, and just, yeah, be professional. And then, and then the last step is on the contract. So some, every company does that separately. I let the company deal with the contract. They'll usually write it up. Some don't require contracts. Some will do it on a handshake. That's fine as long as checks come in the mail, in my opinion. Um, others are, are really serious about it, and I let them do it. And then once that's signed, then it's obviously it's official. But it, it really depends on the company in that situation.
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, and this is just coming from the real estate world and that kind of a thing. So, I mean, to my, to my mind, in my mind with the contract stuff, um, the majority of the time, uh, it seems like the companies we've dealt with, they have a specific contract that they want you to sign. And so, um, with us, especially being that it's, it's a, it's a business, um, and it's, it's in an LLC, you know, we, we may tailor that contract slightly just to have our, Proper signatures and that kind of a thing, um, and then if it's a company that doesn't have a contract, um, I would I would say if you have any background or have anyone that can reach out to, you, I just like the idea of having something in place. Um, not to say that a, a, a handshake deals bad, and if you if you have a relationship, it's no big deal. But to me, it's just it just makes it a little bit more professional, right? To, sh- to also to maybe bring someone a contract, and say, hey, here's here's my contract. Does this work for you? And it just it's very simple, right? It just has a list of. Here's what I'm going to provide. Here's what you're going to provide, and um, I don't know. Just a thought there on my end.
1: I agree, 100. It's it helps. It's it protects bull parties. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, I said this. You said this. We agreed. What's going on? You know, right. like um, yeah. So that that's what I try to do. If they even if they don't want to do it, but then it's one of those things too. Once you've been with the company for five or six years, too, eventually you're just like family with them, and it's just uh-huh. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. You're on the team. Like you don't you don't, don't send me this crap. No, like, so again, it all depends. But especially if you're new with the company. Uh, yeah. Something in writing, uh, If they don't have their own. I agree with that simple word document. And it just like, just like with the real estate world, if if someone bought or sold something that's not bought or sold until that is signed by both parties and agreed on, like, you know, no mm-hmm. handshakes in that world. So this is, exactly. this is real business, but real business, treat it seriously for sure.
0: I like it, man. Well, thanks. Uh, this has been a great breakdown. Um, you know, before I let you go, biggest things here and i'll pull it away here there's was, there's was nothing else right on this this is no, the last one. okay um so before we go and i'm curious because you already talked about some big smallmouth. you're in you're in especially in the northern toyota series right now and all of that in you're in the t- part of the world that has giant smallmouth. um so biggest large mouth small mouth and spotted bass where you were and uh what you caught them on
1: Biggest largemouth was on Harris chain. I was actually pre-practicing for the pro circuit event. Uh, I caught it on a lipless trap, which is cool because that's not something I do very often back home. That's- and I was yo-yoing it off like a, in like an uh, eelgrass bed. It just, just ripped it out of my hands, like just ridiculous. I thought it was a ten. You know, when you catch an eight pound. You know, and I'm from Canada, and jumping out there, the mouth's huge. Like this is a ten pounder for sure. And uh, even when I was in the net, I like, this is a ten pounder. And then it was an eight pounder, but whatever. That's still my biggest. I like um, it. Um, small mouth. Milk, small mouth is a frustrating one because I've caught so many like high sixes, but most of them they're in practice. So I'm pretty sure my biggest was uh was six nine six point nine, um, and it was. Practicing for a Toyota Series event on Saint Lawrence River, and I didn't even get a picture of it. I weighed it. There was boats around me, so I just like let it go. on. I was like, "This is a shame. It's a giant." Oh. But uh, yeah, so with Smalley's, yeah, six nine, but I have caught a bunch of you know whatever. Uh, yeah, it's usually Saint. Uh, actually, we talked about before Lake Simcoe, Lake mm-hmm. Simcoe. Yes. Absolute giants in it. If anyone's had a, had a chance to to look that up or get up to Canada, it's an inland lake. It's not a great lake. It's big. It's it's more kind of like a Lake St. Clair. Giants. Yes. There's guys that catch eights every year, more in the fall. I have never been lucky enough to get one that big, but lots of sixes. And then my biggest spot came from. I'm pretty sure it was I catch on. Uh, it must have been Lake Murray. Yeah, on Lake Murray. Again, practice. I keep catching my biggest ones in practice. You know, go figure.
0: It's not the worst,
1: man. If there was ever like a trophy for the the best practice, I would win a bunch.
0: But uh, <laughs> exactly the practice.
1: Yeah, I, I got a it, it was like a, a four point eight pound spot on Murray on a spy bait.
0: Wow. Yeah. Dude. Okay. So I'm just curious because, and this was this will this will kind of wrap up the show here. But on the day two of champlain i was throwing a spy bait uh drew brian partek who's an awesome guy we had a great time unfortunately his trolling motor sensor went out and i'm like i know what this is i've had an ultrax crap yeah. this sucks uh so he was trying to do the whole like loberg had done this during the tackle warehouse pro circuit event there, like scoping with it with the remote and he's like all right, this isn't working so we replaced it on the water so we're doing all that and we have to get shallow to yeah. literally get a rock to hammer the pin out on the trolling motor step if anyone's ever done this this is a mess right so we're in like five feet of water we finally get it all back together and uh everything's going good and he's just screwing back down i'm like you know what i'm gonna pick a rod and just zip out a spy bait. and sure enough dude i stick like a three and a half four pounder gets the boat that one stayed on well i proceeded to lose a couple more big ones on that later that day shallow those spy baits on real northern smallmouth, big ones, are so hard to stay pegged.
1: What was your rod and reel setup
0: and line? It, it was a it was braid to fluoro leader. Uh, I think six or eight pound fluoro leader, okay. uh, and a medium light spinning rod. But I don't know if I had the length right. So I only had. I think it was a seven foot medium <laughs> light. But I hear guys like doing it on casting rods and all kinds of stuff. I mean, what's what's your thoughts on it?
1: I think it depends on the situation. So personally, those Champlain big ones, they are just the worst. Like they, especially those little times, I've lost more on Champlain than anywhere else. And I, I like to think that I had my spy bait game pretty dialed in too. So I use the Daiwa um, set. They have a seven six medium light medium spinning. Seven, the, it's basically this fighter uh, fight fly rod. It's a big mm-hmm. long seven six. Um, I use yeah, about the same line. It's probably eight or ten pound braid to usually six, sometimes eight floral Depends on what's around me. Mm-hmm. But in, and what, the only thing I learned that helps a lot is I keep the drag a little tighter at the start, and when they hit it, you can really got to get them good, and then back it way off and let them go nuts. The problem is that only works on Lake Ontario. Uh, Lake Simcoe is similar to that, where it's wide open. There's nothing for them to snag plane up where that grass is you can't do that yeah. you kind of have to uh, horse, horse them him. and and those I, I lose them too so i don't know what to tell you That's um the only way to not lose them is to not use a, a spy bait i think and use a single hook a chatterbait remember that oh, yeah. oh, dude. I, just, I
0: was wicked. so you know
1: yeah. you, you single hook hookers <laughs> no
0: i'm i'm with you 100 and actually that's the same advice andy our uh, our partner on the podcast that is the uh, guide on Lake Erie. Same deal is he's like, dude, I drive the hooks hard. Like I I swing a yeah. good strong hook set. I have yeah. my drag pretty tight, and then exactly that I loosen yeah. things back up once. once yeah, you, and it's not
1: like a flipping jig hook set,
0: but you lean in them. Yeah, get it. a whole good lean, yeah,
1: yeah. So that's about the best I can say. Other than that, you're gonna lose those big smallies
0: sometimes. It's the way it is. It's part of it, especially yeah. treble hooks. Yeah, awesome. Awesome, Eric. Well, dude, I appreciate you taking the time out. Best of luck on the St. Lawrence, man. You got that coming up. I'm excited to watch how that goes. It should be a slugfest. So, so. heck yeah. All right. Thanks. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your night.
1: Yeah, you too. Take care. Thanks. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it,